Whether it's audiobooks or all-time greatest hits, long live listening to your favorites. Learn more about Cascali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Cascali is right for you. Only on Sports Radio 92.7 FM WFNZ. Straight fire. This is the Wesson Walker Show. Even the crowd knows what's coming next. Queen City, how you doing today? It is a rainy Tuesday morning here in Charlotte. Welcome to the Wesson Walker Show. No Walker mail today. He's a little under the weather. Literally and figuratively, I guess I should say, Fitty. But uh, welcome in. It'll be myself and Josh Fitty Barlow talking to you for three hours about all of the latest happenings in sports in the Queen City and beyond. But I think the number one question we want to know as we start the show out is, Fitty, did you drive carefully today, man? It's raining, windy, all that stuff. We know how you uh, turn into speed demon out there and you need those corrective lenses. So, you know, did you uh, did you drive safely today? I, I got to say, Wes, I, I'm confident that if you would have been driving beside me or behind me, <laughs> you wouldn't been swearing at my driving because the rain was coming down rather consistently on my way in. Okay. Um, so I was driving in a safe manner because there was too much water on the road to drive faster. Yeah, man. And I could feel that wind uh, beating up my car. So if you're out there driving around, be safe, be cautious, uh, drive defensive, and uh, drop that speed down, man. It's not that serious. You'll get there at some point, wherever you're going, to pick up your cheese sandwich or your girlfriend, boyfriend, whatever you got going on. <laughs> Take it easy out there, man, because the weather's supposed to be rough all day long. So last night it was rough for the Washington Huskies. The Michigan Wolverines are your national champions. They got it the hard way. 15-0, and 0, the Michigan Wolverines finished up in this football game. And I thought it was a pretty good game for the most part. I thought it was a little closer than the score may indicate. Michigan uh, got a score or two late that uh, really pushed out that margin. But uh, for one, I want to start with, we, we talked about it a little bit yesterday at the end of the show, but I want to know out there on the text line, the first question I'll hit you with today on the Carolina Men's Clinic text line 704-570-9610. Did you guys watch any of the multiple coverages that ESPN had last night? I mean, you had the regular coverage. You had the command center. You had Pat McAfee. You had the uh, the air one that doesn't have uh, any commentary on it. It reminds me of playing NCAA with no announcer. Uh, you had the hometown coverages with Michigan and Washington's. All 22. I mean, they had it all going last night. And I personally, one of those people that they gear that type of stuff for, because as I said yesterday, the producer and me, I am going to watch every type of coverage you have because I want to see how it's executed. And so I went from the regular broadcast to the command center, which I like the command center a lot because you get the stats in real time. You get two different views. Uh, the Pat McAfee, I didn't watch. I turned to it briefly, but they weren't. I think they just had the game up and you couldn't see because normally, you know, they have that second window where you can see the guys talking. Uh, I only watched a little bit of that. And then I had to look on my phone to figure out how I could access the Michigan and Washington hometown radio coverages to which 
Uh, I watched each of those for about five to seven minutes. Wanted to hear what Michigan had going on on their hometown broadcast brought to you by, uh, it was Learfield and then Washington's as well. And those were cool. And then I finally just watched the rest of the game, probably the last quarter and a half on the regular coverage. But Fiddy, did you turn to any of them? No, I mean, I, I, I'm just, a, just give me the straight, the straight broadcast. <laughs> Um, because I mean, I'm a big Herb Street guy okay. and he's the first broadcaster that made me want to be a broadcaster. Um, I'm not the biggest Fowler guy, so, you know, maybe I should be willing to, to change the channel and see what other broadcasts have to offer. I remember the first year of the playoff when mm -hmm. they did this and they brought Bill Walton on one of the, the, the random broadcasts yeah. and he dressed up like uncle Sam I was like, that's enough. <laughs> and then the next year, the coach's year, there was Larry Fedora up there. Mm -hmm. And, um, you know, Larry was talking Larry stuff. And I was like, okay, I've, I've had enough. And ever since then, I've just stuck to the regular broadcast. All right. Well, on the text line, weatherman Mark... Hoping Walker feels better soon. He says, get well soon. So that that's very nice of him. Uh, 336 number said, Wes, love the sky view. Can see what the quarterback is seeing. Okay. Uh, Nick from Belmont said, the weather isn't that bad. When did most North Carolinians become so damn soft? The schools mm. are closed for a little rain. You know what? That's funny. He brought that up. I did say that to my son. My son goes to school uh, in South Carolina and he was not happy about having to uh, do e-learning. That's what they're doing. They call it e-learning. So we're going back to the pandemic days where he would wake up in the morning and get the computer going and meet with his class in the room and stuff like that. And I always thought the funniest part about that was hearing the other kids when they would say stuff because in the pandemic, he was like seven. So hearing the other kids just blurting out stuff all loud and stuff, they used to crack me up when he would do uh, school and so uh, that was pretty cool. But, yeah, I told him the same thing. I said, man, you guys are out of school for some rain and wind. I said, we didn't get out unless it was snow uh, on the ground or ice or something like that. But, yeah, he he was not thrilled about that. But also, too, uh, some other people, Weatherman Mark checks in again, said he listened to uh, local Michigan coverage on Sirius XM. Then we've got people saying uh, they did not like the McAfee. Pac Panther Cliff said he watched about 10 minutes of the McAfee cast and you couldn't even hear what they were saying because they were right on the sidelines it was no bueno went back to the regular broadcast yeah i, I mean but i like that espn offers so many options for that um if i was a fan of either team i think i would probably stick to the hometown radio if if i if like if wake forest for whatever reason i mean if i walked outside and pigs were flying and wake forest was in the national championship game I would listen to my man Stan Cotton and the crew uh, for sure. But I think that's uh, an interesting way to watch many games. And I just wanted to know out there, what do you guys like? What do you watch when you watch the national championship game? Kevin and Charlotte says, let's talk some Carolina Panthers. Okay, gotcha. So tying in the national championship game to this, were Panther fans lusting after Jim Harbaugh last night, after he won that championship, is he the top guy on your candidate list? That's the other question I wanted to hit the text line with. After watching Jim Harbaugh win that championship, the rumors are rampant that he is coming to the league, the NFL, that is. And so uh, I would like to know from you guys out there, is Jim Harbaugh the top candidate or is he the guy that's at the top of your wish list? Because I know a lot of people feel like that he wouldn't fit with Tepper 
and the attitudes would clash. We know Harbaugh is not the easiest guy uh, to get along with. I know that as a San Francisco 49er fan, the, the issues he had with Balky in the front office. But, Vinny, what did you think? Did did he show you last night that he is the de facto number one coaching candidate out there? I mean, he, he, he should be for any team that's in the same situation like the Panthers, the Commanders, the Chargers, um, because the guy's just a proven winner. You look at San Diego – Stanford, San Francisco, and now at Michigan, all the guy does is win. And he goes to bad situations, and he turns them around. Now, it took him a little bit longer at Michigan to get them where they're supposed to be, a you know a premier program in college football, but he's gotten them there, and they don't look like they're going anywhere anytime soon. And I, I think what frustrates Panther fans the most is you hear all the rumors about Harbaugh, and there's not a single one that has him tied to Carolina, which is basically Dave Tepper's way of admitting and owning. I'm not going to relinquish my power, my meddling ways to this type of guy. And he should, because I, I, I have no doubt if Jim Harbaugh was the head coach of the Panthers, they'd win a division in two years and advance deep in the playoffs in three. Yeah, and so the thing with Harbaugh is he hired the same agent that Tom Brady has, and we know Tom Brady is part owners with the Raiders, the Las Vegas Raiders. And so a lot of people are speculating that that is going to be the destination. And a topic we're going to get to later is just the national perception of the Carolina Panthers. Because when you hear people talk about it, like this morning, I heard multiple analysts make fun of the Panthers when talking about Harbaugh. They was like, well, what's he going to do? Go to Carolina? Why would he do that? And like people have a good laugh. And they are definitely uh, taking their shots at the Carolina Panthers along the way. So I wanted to know from you guys, and we're getting the text coming in, and there's Harbaugh love on here for sure. And I think uh, Gardner-Webb James says pay Jimmy 50 mil, whatever it takes. And Michigan has that contract on the table that people are saying that are rumored to be around $15 million per season with a no NFL clause. Uh, in 2024, and that deal's worth around $120, $130 million. And so when he didn't sign that, that kind of gave me a little bit of an indication. But it also tells you that if he does come to the NFL, if David Tepper did decide, hey, I'm going to let my ego put my pride to the side and bring in Harbaugh, it's going to take a lot of Skrilla. I think it's going to have to be Sean Payton type of range to get him because when you think about the comfort that he's got at Michigan, you think about the fact that they're on top of college football, he's got to be having illusions of grandeur of getting up on Saban's level to win three, four, five titles. I mean, it's not out of the question now with the realignment. It's going to be a lot harder because we saw that schedule that they've got next year. I mean, you're talking a, a murderous row, five games on that schedule that are just off the chain, but it's going to take a lot of money. And they're talking 20, 22 million for Jim Harbaugh. Are you in on that if they paid him that much? I mean, look, you know, when Walker said the other week that he'd pay Ben Johnson, $15 million to do whatever it took to get him here. I pushed back because I don't know if Ben Johnson's worth that kind of money. Jim Harbaugh's worth whatever dollar amount he he, he wants. And I think where you got to be concerned is, is, you know, Chargers ownership historically cheap. So maybe that takes them out of the running, but Washington all of a sudden is very attractive because Dan Snyder is no longer the owner there. You've got new ownership there in Washington. You've got the number two draft pick where you could get Caleb Williams or Drake May. And they got $74 million in cap space 
in a division where you haven't had a repeat champion since 2005. And so that might be the 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 place that is the most attractive to Harbaugh unless Chicago becomes open, which really that's going to happen. Yeah. And so, look, if you know, we talked about this all the time, that's Tepper's advantage is he's the second richest owner in the NFL. So if that's, what, if that's what it takes to get him here and you're willing to back off and just let Jim Harbaugh be Jim Harbaugh, I would not complain if he's getting paid $22 million. Yeah, and so speaking of the other head coaching candidates, we know Harbaugh may be at the top of your wish list, but they've requested to interview nine head coaching candidates. Ben Johnson is right there on that list. Bobby Slowick, the Texans offensive coordinator. Bengals offensive coordinator Brian Callahan. Cowboys defensive coordinator Dan Quinn. Ravens defensive coordinator Mike McDonald. Dolphins OC Frank Smith. Rams DC Raheem Morris. You remember him in the NFC South. Ravens OC Todd Monken and Buccaneers OC Dave Canales. So those are your candidates. Let me know who's at the top of your list or your top three. We're going to get into that as well. And we are off and running on the Weston Walker show and before we go to break just wanted to touch on it we we barely tapped on it yesterday but the Charlotte Knights are for sale uh they confirmed on Monday Don Beaver bought the team in the late 90s with minority partner Bill Allen the Knights compete in the International League as an affiliate of the Chicago White Sox and play their home games at Truist Field a place I'm sure you guys know and love so far about eight potential buyers have shown interest in the Knights, according to Don Rakowski, uh, chief operating officer for the Knights. And while it's unclear how much money the team could be sold for, other recent sales of AAA minor league teams have fetched high dollar prices. That includes Sacramento's Rivercats for $90 million and the Worcester Woo Sox, which was purchased by Diamond Baseball Holdings after the company paid $70 million for majority interest. And so, uh, Fiddy, I think we could probably put our money together and buy the uh, the Charlotte Knights. What do you think? Let's go ahead and put together a package, and I'll pick them up. I mean, let's do it. I I, I think it'd be a lot of fun to own a AAA baseball team. I do, too. Um, you know, I'd probably change the colors. Maybe they'd be Carolina blue all the way through and through. Um, but, no, it definitely sounds like, you know, I read the article that WBTV sent out. It doesn't appear that whoever buys the team is going to look to relocate them because AAA baseball has a long history here in the city of Charlotte. I would love for whoever bought the team would be committed enough to maybe helping us get a major league franchise. Here. Yeah, I've got a Charlotte Knights hat on a day. I feel like when you're really the salt of your city is when you wear minor league gear. And I love wearing Charlotte Knights gear. Uh, I love their stuff. Even though when you go in that team store, they those are not minor league prices. Okay? No, they are not. <laughs> not at all. They are very major league when it comes to that. So we're off and running here on the Weston Walker Show. Coming back, when did we know that the Panthers were in trouble this season? Was it a press conference? Was it an off-the-field incident? When did we know that and more? This is Sports Radio 92.7 WFNZ. Whether it's audiobooks or all-time greatest hits, long live listening to your favorites. Learn more about Kaskali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Kaskali is right for you. McDonald's is not new to chicken. So maybe stop questioning that chicken cred and get your hands on the McCrispy. Juicy fried chicken, buttery bun, unmatched pickle to chicken ratio. Yeah, they know what they're doing. In fact, we can honestly say they're not new to chicken. They're true to chicken. The McCrispy. Only at McDonald's. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. 
I think this is the perfect kind of beat, man, for the, the type of conditions we have today and what's going on out there. If you're in your car, as I said, take it safely. A lot of weather advisories out there. Uh, I think my girl just texted me. They put out a, a state of emergency. So if you're out there on the roads, be safe in this rain and this wind. Make smart decisions. Don't be out here like Fitty needing uh, corrective lenses and driving fast. All right. But this is the Wesson Walker Show, Sports Radio 92.7 WFNZ. Keep those texts coming. On the Carolina Men's Clinic text line, 704-570-9610. Hit that text line and also hit that follow button on those social medias, WFNZ on Twitter and Instagram, at Westbryant underscore 72, at Walker Mail. You can send them some get well wishes there, at HTB underscore Josh, and most importantly, at Wesson Walker on Twitter and Instagram. The text line is already jumping, and I asked the question before we went to break. When did you know that this season was not going to be good? Here in Carolina, the bagel guy checks in. Wes, I knew the Panthers were in trouble after that first preseason game, and Frank uttered the word vanilla. That's a great moment right there to let you know that, hmm, I don't know. Steven from Huntersville says, I knew the Panthers were in trouble when Frank didn't realize Thielen wasn't on the field for a specific play, and when he didn't know, TMJ didn't play for the entire game. Yeah, that is definitely a moment that will live on in infamy. Brian says the writing on the wall for the Panthers was during the preseason when I and many other fans disregarded the offensive line play and Frank Wright's vanilla postgame interview. And lastly, Big Cat Dan, uh, he gave us some of his coaching candidates. He had Nick Mateo. Uh, Brant Teals and a tie between Brandon Brown and Alec Hallaby. Looks like he's doing his homework. And for head coach, Todd Munkin is his number one guy, Bobby Slowick. Then a tie between Frank Smith and Mike McDonald. So let's get into this thing. When did we know the Panthers were in trouble this season? Because I came into the season. Look, those out there, they know I'm not a, a, a Carolina Panthers fan out with my pom-poms and things of that nature. But I thought this team was going to be a playoff team. I thought they had a high probability of winning the NFC South, going to the playoffs. But for me, the moment when it really hit is when Frank Reich said, I'm not trying to put my players in the best position to win in the preseason. And I get that he tried to come back. He tried to walk it back. And he tried to say, look, you know, I'm just talking about the preseason. We don't want to show what we have. We just want to keep things under the vest. And I'm thinking like, okay, I've never, ever, ever heard a coach say, that he is not trying to put his team in the best position to win. Even in the preseason, you've got guys trying to make the roster. And so for you not to try to put them in the best positions to win, I think that's doing them a disservice. And I don't 100% think that that's what he meant. But that was just a very odd comment from a coach, one that I'd never heard. And so then from there, the other moment, I agree with the texter when he talked about the offensive line play. When they came out and played the way they played in game number two, not game one, because game one, when and, and the reports were coming out how in practice they couldn't block anybody. We know in the joint practices with the Jets, they struggled. But how much they were struggling. And then after that preseason game one, when we heard players and players only meeting after preseason game one and how much the O-line struggled and the offensive line coach barking on guys. And so I knew that, all right, game two, they may be a little more focused. They'll come out ready to go and see if they can clean it up. And when they didn't, I said, look, man, that's not something you can turn on or off. At that moment, I knew 
I said, man, this Panthers team is in trouble because this offensive line has regressed. Fiddy, when was it for you? When did you know this team was going down a bad avenue? You go back to the Jets preseason game. The very first play of Bryce Young's NFL career was an incomplete pass that he had to throw away because the immediate pressure off the left side because Ikea Kwanu couldn't block anybody. You get shut out. Which in the preseason, getting shutouts not that's not the end of the world. Like sure. that happens in the preseason. But you're right. When Frank Wright got behind the podium and he said, I I was not putting my guys in a position to be successful and make plays, that's maybe the dumbest thing I've ever heard a head coach <laughs> say. Yeah. And and the thing was was that he wasn't lying and they never veered in a different way the rest of the year. Um, you, you know, if you remember back in the preseason finale, Wes, mm-hmm. Walker was adamant that he needed to see something from the offense in the preseason. Yeah. Like after all the moves they made, all the coaches that they hired, the dysfunction was very evident in the preseason that this thing wasn't going the way it was supposed to go. And so, um, it, it's cliche to say we do from the beginning, but if you go back to the very first play, the very first game, we should have known right then and there this was going to be a long season. Yeah, and so Bryce Young, he had his comments on when he thought the low point of the season came. Let's hear from our QB1 here in the Queen City. You know, I think just just losing losing Coach Reich was, was tough. Um, you know, again, it's a lot of a lot of movement. You know, when, whenever people are leaving the building, um, you know, it's, it's hard. It's difficult. I think that was definitely something that was that was rough. Um, but you know, through those rough times, it helps you come closer together. And you know, we all felt that. We all experienced that together, and it, it brought us together and made us closer. Um, but you know, it, it was tough for sure. Man, so we've heard different players in coach uh, in sports referred to as coach killers, and I'm not putting that on Bryce Young by any stretch of the imagination. But to his comments, man, that's got to sting your rookie year, your head coach gets fired. And let's be clear, it was for no other reason. Well, there were other reasons, but the number one reason I would imagine is because there was a lack of development from Bryce Young in his offense. And so you know Bryce Young took that to heart. And he was like, man, I'm the reason this guy's out of a job. So much optimism when Wright gets the job. He's got his rookie quarterback that he's going to roll with, and they're going to see this thing through and win championships and, and, and make each other just as happy as they can be. And he's no longer here and one of the shortest head coaching reigns we've ever seen. And so that's got to hurt because we've heard guys referred to as coach killers in sports. And so that was one of the reasons why I asked the question, is Bryce Young going to be a deterrent? For some of these coaches, because I know that not every head coaching candidate is going to be as high on Bryce Young as others. They're going to be varying opinions from these different head coaches as far as what they think and what they feel about this guy. Because, yeah, it's cool to get the bag. And when you get fired, you're still going to get paid regardless. But these guys want to be coaches. They want to be head coaches. They don't want to get fired. And so that's a serious question you have to ask yourself as a head coach, especially as an offensive guy. You have to say to yourself, okay, do I feel like this guy is someone I want to hitch my wagon to? Is this a guy I can win with? Is this a guy I'm going to have job security with? Because quarterbacks are job security. There's no question about it. And for Frank Reich, if he was able to keep Bryce Young on that trajectory to where people were saying, man, this Bryce Young, he's having a little bit of a tough go, but he's coming. But when that wasn't the case, 
I think that the writing was on the wall that Frank was going to be done. What say you, Fitty? Yeah, for me, I don't think Bryce Young is going to be a deterrent as long as you hire a head coach that believes in him. And and Frank Wright can say whatever he wants, that that was his guy and that was a consensus. That was the guy they wanted to draft. When you do what we do for a living, we break down every little thing. We watched the way Frank Wright looked at C.J. Shroud and the way he looked at Bryce Young. And the way that, I mean, he was like me when I see a double quarter pounder. He was just foaming at the <laughs> mouth after C.J. Stroud's pro day. Yeah. Like, that was the guy that he wanted. Mm-hmm. And his reluctance to change the offense to benefit Bryce Young further proved that he didn't believe in Bryce. And Bryce wasn't the guy. And so that Bryce was forced upon him after he got the job. And so I feel like you've got to hire a guy that believes in Bryce because if you do that and you build an offense that best suits him, he's going to remind you as to why he was the number one pick in last year's NFL draft. All right. So the text line is speaking and speaking frequently. It's 704-608. Number says, I should have known when Quentin Williams was dominating on hard knocks. And I stupidly said to myself, it's just HBO's editing. Okay. Yeah. I think how many sacks did he say he had in practice? Like 10 or something 10, like that? Yeah. yeah. Yeah, that's not editing, big dog. Uh, 757 number says, Icky's first missed stunt block in that preseason game was it. Uh, Somebody said, a number typed in and said that uh, when Frank Reich hit the podium. So he said he knew the season was over with then. uh, Real Tar Heel says, when Frank Reich said that his guys dominated in the trenches, but they got beat badly. Uh, so people, let's see, uh, K-Town Mafia says, Hey Wes, if you're a head coaching candidate and aren't high on Bryce, why would you apply? Well, at the end of the day, it's because it's an NFL job and these don't come open, uh, all of the time. And so when you have a chance to be an NFL head coach, you have to do that. And so, uh, last text we'll read right here. Bebop from Rock Thrill says it's good to know that you're looking at it realistically there, Wes, because he is a red flag for any coaching candidate. I don't know if I necessarily agree with that because the one thing you can never underestimate is a coach's ego. And these coaches that make it to this level. Oh, okay. What we got, Fitty? I feel like I'd hit it because on Black Monday, we didn't get to do any breaking news yesterday. Okay. But the Titans have fired uh, Mike Vrabel. Oh, he wow. out in Tennessee. Of course, a lot of rumors lead him to New England if yeah. Belichick does part ways um, You know, with, with Robert Kraft and ownership. But to me, this, this has to be a guy that's added to Carolina's interview list, right? Like you're talking about a proven winner. He's tough-minded. He's old school. Um, was able to win in a lot of different ways in Tennessee. Led them to the number one overall seed a few years ago in the postseason. Yeah. Um, and so I just figured I'd hit that breaking news because. No, if, that was big news. If, if, if I'm David Tepper, mm-hmm. nine guys is, is a good starting point. Yeah. You've got to get this thing right. You want a proven winner. You want a proven leader. Mike Vrabel is that. Yeah. Four winning seasons he had in Tennessee, as you said. His first two seasons went nine and seven, then 11 and five, and then 12 and five. The thing about Vrabel, the last two seasons, seven and 10, six and 11, his quarterback play let him down. There's no question about that. I'm wondering, he would definitely strike me, and this is just my own opinion, he definitely strikes me as a guy that might not necessarily be 
uh, in the Bryce Young camp. He strikes me as a guy that wants that big, strong, uh, strapping presence back there. You know, he's a defensive guy. I don't know if Rabel would be, but who knows? And he is a candidate that is worthy, and that surprised me too because they were talking about just the other day if Rabel – uh, would be a guy that was going to New, uh, New England, like you said, where they're going to have to give up picks and things of that nature to try and get him because at that point it didn't look like Tennessee was going to uh, let him go. And so Reverend Herbaceous says Vrabel would be a nice hire. Now, also another factor in this that we have to consider, obviously, is David Tepper's penchant for, fr- uh, for firing people quickly. I mean, is that going to be a huge deterrent? I think coaches know – I mean, it might be, you know, like a a gold digger at an NBA party. She knows if she goes in there and doesn't make the right decisions that she could end up with a check for a long time and not have to do much uh, with that. And so I think some of these coaches could say, hey, I'll go play for the guy. If he fires me, I'll sit back and collect my 10, 12, 15 million and uh, have to do nothing and then choose whatever job I want. And so. But that's another thing. It's like, how much do you want to put up with? Because like I said, the allure of that NFL job, that ego to think I can make it. I can be the guy to overcome. I can be the guy to turn this thing around. But you think about Tep, man, that leash is short. And I don't think he's going to slow down anytime soon. I think if the next head coach comes in, I think he's going to give them a little bit longer of a leash. But I don't see Tep being patient with a coach for more than a season and a half. At most, I think a season and a half and he's going to start to look at you with the side eye and get you out of here if he's not getting what he wants. It's definitely on the table. You look at perennial bad franchises, Las Vegas, Cleveland, Houston. You you see, you know, coaches turn over like an apple turnover at the McDonald's. Those are good. But um, (laughs) you also look at, you know, Cleveland. Kevin Stefanski survived to bad years after making the postseason his first year fourth year now he's got he's got the browns back in the playoffs Mm -hmm. you know you look at the mcnair family in houston yeah they wrongfully fired a david cully a lovey smith they get D'Amico ryans it feels like he's going to be the coach there for the next decade or so um so you you just don't know until tepper proves to you that he's going to quit firing people and it's a really hard thing to believe in but you'd like to think that after back-to-back quick firings, he'd learn you've got to let this thing play out. Yeah, 980 number says hiring a just-fired coach didn't work out well last time. That's my thing, too. I I just feel like...
at 12.34 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. Severe thunderstorms were located along a line extending from 6 miles southeast of Shelby to 9 miles northwest of York to 16 miles southeast of Gaffney, moving northeast at 80 miles per hour. Hazard, 60 miles per hour wind gusts. Source, radar indicated. Impact, expects damage to trees and power lines. Locations impacted include Gastonia, Huntersville, Kannapolis, Northeast Charlotte, Northwest Charlotte, Cornelius, Mooresville, Kings Mountain, Mount Holly, and Davidson. A tornado watch remains in effect until 6 p.m. Eastern Standard Time for the Piedmont of North Carolina and upstate South Carolina. For your protection, move to an interior room on the lowest floor of a building. Please report damaging winds, hail, or flooding to the National Weather Service by calling toll-free 1-800-267-8101 or by posting on our Facebook page or tweet at using hashtag NWSGSP. Your message should describe the event and the specific location where it occurred. Repeating. All right, folks, you heard that right there. Got your emergency message right there. But we're going to keep it going because the Panthers are in a state of emergency. When we come back, we're going to continue on with the conversation and ask about a former player who made his bid to be the team president. Would it work? Would it? Would it? Would it? Would it? Would it not work? That and more on Sports Radio 92.7 WFNZ. Whether it's audiobooks or all-time greatest hits, long live listening to your favorites. Learn more about Kaskali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Kaskali is right for you. McDonald's is not new to chicken. So maybe stop questioning their chicken cred and get your hands on the McCrispy. Juicy fried chicken, buttery bun, unmatched pickle to chicken ratio. Yeah, they know what they're doing. In fact, we can honestly say they're not new to chicken. They're true to chicken. The McCrispy. Only at McDonald's. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. This is the Wesson Walker Show. Third segment of the first hour coming at you. Sports Radio 92.7 WFNZ. Coming back to the Carolina Men's Clinic. Text line 704-570-9610. Psycho G says, hey guys, I'm listening to you all talk about David Tepper. And Lord knows he's not one of my favorite owners in sports. He said, but y'all roasted him for firing incompetent coaches. How long do you expect him to keep a coach? that is severely underperforming. I see that argument to an extent, and we're also including the soccer coaches that he got rid of as well. But the thing is, we just feel like that the patience exhibited by David Tepper is a bit unorthodox. I mean, we've seen coaches fired inside of a year before, things of that nature, but it feels like he doesn't even give guys time to turn things around or to be able to begin the real process of getting into it. Because when you come to a bad team, in my opinion, it's going to at least take you two seasons to really get it going as far as seeing that progress, especially, you know, soccer. I'm not sure how quickly you can go from nothing to something. And we've seen in the NFL teams go 
from nothing to something. I mean, I was looking just the other day, looking at the Cardinals, and I said, that's a team that I expect next season that they're going to be a problem. But for Tepper, I think, too, it just feels like sometimes he doesn't have the patience to let coaches see this thing through, get an offseason, get a chance to right some of those wrongs before he's getting them uh, up out of there. My coach, my old high school coach, offensive coordinator, Coach Richmond, uh, is checking in, and he's chiming in on the topic we're about to broach. I'm going to read his text in just a second. But Cam Newton came out, and we know this was a few days ago, but he came out and put his hat in the ring, and we know he likes the hats. He put that in the ring. I don't know if it's got feathers on it or what he's got, some of those hats that he definitely threw in to make his bid to be in a presidential role with the Carolina Panthers. Fiddy, let's hear what Cam had to say. Greg, a couple weeks back, said he said he would like to interview for the head coaching job. You know what I would like to interview for that job? Hmm. President. Let me be the team president. Team president. Yeah. I, if I was in the league, I had the same thing. I don't want to be coach. And I guarantee you, I can sell out. I can I can give you what you need from from Bryce. I can also g- speak on terms of what the fans' expectations is, and I also have the leverage to hold management and Tepper accountable. I don't want to be a coach, right? Mm-hmm. I'm a business. Nobody wants. So to. at the end of the day, I, I see a situation in Carolina where. It's a lot of ups that has been taking place. No, no question about it. Only way to say. And I think Tepper's success as a businessman thought he was going to come into a situation and run that kind of similar, as he know and found out that's not like this ain't the same thing. You see what I'm saying? So I would love to help him as well as everything because I, I i will always be connected to carolina all right so i want to hear out there from the text line do you feel like that cam newton could help because we've seen former players as gms or presidents of their teams first one comes to mind and the one everybody's going to look at is john lynch with the 49ers and what he was able to do and when the 49ers brought him in i was not sure what you were going to get from him because you get so conditioned to these NFL guys that have been in the league for so long, you feel like that they just have that 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 all-knowing type of stuff from being in the business for so long. And then when you see players come up, it's just so different. And now I feel like that's becoming more uh, acceptable for us now. And so that's why I think if Cam Newton came in, it would be quite interesting. And I don't think it's out of the realm of the possibility that they should do it. And the text line is agreeing. A 704 number says make Cam president now. Darren says, hell yes. Heat fan says bring Cam home. My man, Heat fan, what's going on? That's one of the guys uh, had a nice conversation in a Walmart one day for about uh, 15 minutes. And Mr. Sarcastic says Cam could help, but Dave isn't going to hire him. And so that's the thing, too. We know Cam has a strong personality. Uh, hopefully, you know, Cam is, is financially well off, so the job wouldn't be about the money. He would be there because I genuinely do feel like that he wants to help the Carolina Panthers. I think he will bring some dynamics to the team, especially with fan interaction, as he talked about. He could certainly help Bryce with his experiences and what uh, he's been through. But, Fiddy, what do you think about uh, Cam as a team president or in a front office role? On the surface, it's a great idea. And, and, you know, you love seeing former legends still be connected and still care about the well-being of your franchise. 
But I just can't help but think, what if it goes wrong and you have to fire him? Yeah. Like, you, you brought him back, and it didn't really work out all that great. He didn't win a single game after you brought him back as a starter. Um, he lost, I think, his last, like, 11 starts as the quarterback of the Panthers. So you've already got that tough pill to swallow. And then let's say you bring him back in a presidential role, and it doesn't work, and Dave has to fire him. That That could seal his connection to the franchise, and maybe he never wants to have anything to do with you ever again. And so it makes a lot of sense. It'd be a good PR move by Tepper, but I just don't know if the risk is worth the potential reward. Do you think when Cam sees these other guys getting jobs in front offices, do you think that he's hitting him with his favorite line, like he said to the quarterbacks? What line would that be? Tell me! <laughs> I mean, like, here's the thing, like, like when, like when San Francisco hired John Lynch, it was definitely out of the box. Yes. But like, you knew that John Lynch, like wanted to work in football in some capacity. This is really the first time I can remember ever hearing Cam say he wanted a job. Like, you know, he, he didn't get into broadcasting to be a, a game analyst. We always thought, and I still think when it's all said and done, Peyton Manning will be a GM. He'll be a president somewhere because of his love for the game. So maybe this is something that is new to Cam, and maybe he only wants to do it to Carolina. But, you know, as someone that has seen former people be put in a position of power, it's not fun firing those guys and it hurting that relationship in the long run. Yeah, 704-661 number says, Tep ain't doing that, no. Doing that, though, he never liked Cam because he took too much of Tep's shine. And that's an interesting aspect, too, because we know – that if he was hired in a front office role, I feel like that would hit this city just like it did when he was here as a player. I think everything that he would bring to the job, a lot of talk would be about Cam and what he's doing. And I think that he definitely would. And if, if Tepper's the type of guy that we think that he is, I'm not sure that he would be too keen on that. But uh, my flat-out opinion is I think that Cam could help. I do value his football knowledge, even though I had to say what I had to say uh, about his opinions about the quarterbacks. But I think Cam's a guy that... He knows enough about the game. And the thing is, I think he really cares. I think he really wants to see this team win. And he's seen this organization at its apex when he took them to the Super Bowl. And I think he knows what a winning football team here and the core of what the Panthers are about, what that looks like. And so I don't think it would be a bad deal for him to come in here and uh, and help out. If it didn't work out, it just didn't work out. But I think that Cam is uh, certainly a guy that could bring some cachet to the Panthers and help change some of the perception uh, as well. And if not Cam, we heard Greg Olson come out before saying he wanted to be the head coach. Okay, we saw Matt Campbell and we've seen some other players uh, that have gone on to be coaches and have done well, but specifically Campbell uh, in Detroit. Now, we know that he was coaching for a while, making his bones in the league uh, as a tight ends coach. So it's not like he just came from the booth or came off the street to coach. But I think that this this former player movement getting into the league in various capacities as a head coach, as a front office person, I think it helps because these guys know they have instant credibility. Now, I'm not saying I, I'm certainly not in the camp of Greg Olson being the head coach, but I think that uh, I would love to know out there would 
are there guys that you would want as a GM or team president? Would you want to see Luke Keekley in a GM role or Thomas Davis or somebody like that? Are there any Panther legends that you guys feel like could come in, be able to identify talent and be able to bring winning football back to this city? I think if anything, just from a PR perspective, this is a fan base that's been beaten down. They are just in a state of, uh, just dismissal of everything. And I think if you bring in a former legend with the nostalgia that that player could bring, I think that that could go a long way as far as helping this fan base believe again. This is a fan base that needs to believe again because right now the skepticism is at, a, is at an all-time high. You talk to any Panthers fan and it's like, oh, man, you know, I don't know what's going to happen. There's a lot of unknown. There's a lot of disbelief. And so I think bringing in a former player could bring some type of hope uh, to this organization. But keep letting me know what you guys got going out there, what you think. I appreciate all the texts that have been coming in on the Carolina Men's Clinic text line. And when we come back, it's time to go to the Kona, the campus Kona, to talk about last night's college football national championship game. This is the Wesson Walker Show, but it's Wesson Fitty on Sports Radio 92.7 WFNZ.